voice climbed in. There's a first aid kit on the floor next to you should have been needed. Usual travel time to the green zone is 20 minutes. At any entry control point or other checks, stay in the car and take instructions from me. He dumped a NATO-style ballistic helmet in Royce's lap. Keep that to hand at all times. Welcome back to Baghdad. As soon as Geordie fell into his seat with his Heckler and Koch MP5 short across his lap, the driver started the engine. They followed the first Merc slowly out through the inner perimeter cordon manned by the Iraqi police, over the flyover to the outer cordon, which was controlled by the US military. Once past the ramps, they were running the gauntlet of the ten-mile six-lane expressway, known as Route Irish by the occupying allies, to the city. To the Iraqis themselves, it was called, as prosaically, simply as Death Street. Any trouble so far today? Royce asked. Not today. Geordie replied, but there was a shooting on this route yesterday, and two IEDs. A lot of dead and injured. Bad shit. Royce stared out of the bulletproof window. Seems it'll never end. Keeps us in business, Geordie replied flatly. The lead driver of their small cortege seemed to know his stuff. He veered away from roadside police observation platforms, which insurgents with machine guns or suicide bombers like to occupy in cars with tinted windows. Royce noted he also kept well clear of a small American military convoy they passed, which made an inviting target, and was obviously suspicious of one particular stretch of newly laid concrete. The terrorists were known to have posed as repair crews to bury daisy-chained artillery shells to be detonated by electronic garage door openers or mobile fans. Home sweet home, Geordie breathed, as they finally cleared checkpoint three and entered the relative safety of the green zone next to the mighty Tigris River. The whole district was surrounded by towering concrete blast walls and protected by the United States war machine. This was the administrative and military heart of the coalition, which had invaded Iraq and overthrown its despotic dictator, Saddam Hussein. What Royce knew, which was never mentioned in the heavily guarded American embassy, was that the man himself had actually started his notorious political life as a trained assassin for the CIA, and a failed one at that. The neighbourhood of the Green Zone was also the traditional home of the nation's political elite, with its fine houses and exclusive hotels. There had been no shootings or suicide bombings around the zone for several weeks. In that troubled land, it had almost become a Camelot, or Shangri-La. Foreign military personnel and aid workers swam in the hotel pools, celebrity chefs were flown in to cook, and singers to sing for the loaded opportunists. Everyone was living in a dream, a bubble. That's how it felt, and that's what they actually called it, the bubble. Business thrived, people made money, lots of money, millions, dollars, euros, pounds, rubles, yen. The booze flowed, people got rich, got careless. Then, that Easter, like all bubbles, it burst. Everything changed overnight. Shiite insurgents of the Mahdi army, led by the radical cleric Muqtada al-Sada, opened up with mortars, rocket-propelled grenades and Katyusha rockets from the Sadr city area of East Baghdad. The sumptuous Baghdad Palace Hotel received a direct hit on its famous ballroom. Luckily, it was empty at the time and only one staff member suffered a minor injury. However, as a result of the damage, several planned exhibitions, conferences and other corporate events had to be cancelled or transferred to other venues at short notice. It was the evening after the attack that James Royce found himself striding down the luxuriously carpeted corridor on the third floor of the hotel 
a couple of minutes before eight o'clock, the time of the scheduled first meeting with his new client. Precise timekeeping was one of Royce's traits from a former life spent in the British Royal Marine Commandos. Another was smartness. He was dressed inconspicuously in a beige tropical jacket, slacks and a white and blue striped shirt. He was clean-shaven and tanned from years spent outdoors, his eyes a flinty green-grey mix in colour. Like the North Sea, he used to joke. His tawny hair was just now in need of a trim. Royce was accompanied by Geordie. For good reason, American security in the green zone was strict to the point of paranoia. It would take a day or two at least before his biometrics were taken, his paperwork processed and ID badge issued. And if you weren't badged, you didn't exist, didn't pack a firearm, didn't go anywhere or do anything without being escorted by someone who was. There was a big, crew-cropped American seated farther along the corridor.